Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome into Horns 24-7 Special Commitment Reaction Podcast. I am Taylor Estes, and I'm joined by Horns 24-7 Recruiting Analyst Hudson Standish. And Hudson, it's been quite a whirlwind week for the Longhorns. It's basically arch madness on steroids, honestly. But before we get into all of this, how are you holding up covering this all going down right now? It's been fun, Taylor. I know that as when I took the job with 247, the number one tip I got from fans was, look, when Mike Roach takes a vacation, you better be prepared for all these commitment stories. And they weren't lying. Mike's been on vacation. We've already had four in one day with a little bit of a tease, probably a couple more, if not more than two to follow shortly. So it's been an absolute whirlwind for Texas fans. And hey, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, Brendan Marion, and Kyle Flood had a hell of a day. They did, yeah, coming out of this official visit weekend, which was the second big official visit weekend, back-to-back weekends, I would say, for Texas. I feel like, you know, some of this probably got a little overlooked because of Arch Manning taking his official visit the week prior. You know, all eyes were on that. And then, but still, Texas had some really priority type of targets that were on campus this weekend for official visits. And, you know, as, as Hudson mentioned, Texas on Sunday, as of, as of the time we are recording this, I'm just going to say that because let me tell you, we were going to start recording this more than an hour ago, almost two hours ago now. And literally every single time we started like queuing things up to get going, there was another commitment. But as of 5.55 PM on Sunday, Texas has added four commitments in one single day, you know, Hudson, um, this is one of the first times I would say in my career that I have seen this number or this like level and the number of commitments in a single day, aside from national signing day. I mean, this is totally out of the ordinary, especially for Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Taylor, you mentioned the arch madness note off the top. Mike and I kind of immediately reported as soon as Arch Manning made his commitment to the Texas Longhorns last Thursday that look, This tidal wave of recruiting momentum that we've talked about since we've been, you know, even discussing Arch Manning as a recruit, the early uh, phone calls and messages we were getting from sources around the country was that the actual proof of concept of that recruiting momentum was going to supersede the hype, which felt almost insane to say. But after Texas did this on this recruiting weekend, I mean, you kind of can't argue with it. Also, it can't can't be stated enough that the timeline of how all of this went down just went perfectly because you're absolutely right. 
this recruiting weekend did kind of get overshadowed by the fact that Arch Manning was on campus this past weekend. There was a lot of rumors about a decision, him getting it out of the way on Thursday so that the visitors on campus could have three days to kind of bask in the hype a little bit and still have their own process and it not be as much about Arch as it is, you know, their own recruitments was really big. And I mean, you're talking about a weekend that featured guys like five-star Anthony Hill, five-star Jonte Cook. Like there are so many big time targets that are still uncommitted that Texas had on this recruiting weekend. I mean, it, it truly is all gas, no breaks right now on the 40 acres. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And let, let's get into that. So, you know, we, we kind of teased it. You probably know if you're a Horns 24-7 member, all of the madness. If you get our text alerts, I'm, I apologize in advance for just sending so many today. Like that's just doesn't happen. So um, yes, I flooded your inbox, your text inbox with uh, alerts today, but they were good alerts. Texas landed four commitments. And let's start with, uh, we'll go in order from ranking Hudson. So let's start with, um, as of right now, the most recent commitment that Texas landed, which was a uh, top 247 priority offensive line target, four-star Harker Heights offensive lineman, Jaden Chapman. Um, this is, you know, as, as uh, if, if you're over at Horns 24 seven, you know, Hudson and Mike have continued to say that Chapman was one of the top priority targets on Kyle Flood's, um, you know, list for the 2023 cycle. Hudson, how big of an addition is this for Texas to land their number one priority offensive lineman, not just for the 2023 cycle, but honestly in back-to-back -back cycles now with Texas, you know, signing some of their priorities in 2022 as well. That's a really good point, Taylor. It's back-to-back -back cycles where even if you consider Kelvin Banks and Devon Campbell kind of a tied for the uh, top of the priority in the 2022 cycle, it's back-to-back -back years where Kyle Flood identified somebody, put him at the top of his board, and made sure to get him. Like, it can't be stated enough how big of a recruiting win this is. And honestly, I'd kind of say that when you look at the schools that were pursuing uh, – when who were pursuing, uh, sorry, I still have my notifications on in case a commitment happens. And I just got a little <laughs> bit of a scare with a kid. That, You're uh, perfectly good. <laughs> That's uh, why I wear my Apple watch. I literally am wearing my Apple watch only for this reason. <laughs> exactly. But the point being, even if you look at his ranking, which is a really high ranking on 247 and the composite, the schools that are pursuing him with committable offers in Oklahoma, Texas, A&M, LSU, Alabama, like those are some of the biggest programs in the country. So not only getting a guy that's this highly ranked, but against those schools to where those are the true blue blood battles on the recruiting trail. I've really liked Jaden Chapman. I went out and saw him in Colleen last year, the week after that uh, Kyle Flood became the first college coach to extend him an offer. And Chapman told me then Texas is always going to be at the top, if not in the mix with me because when a lot of other college coaches were telling me that they needed to see more film or that they wanted to get me on campus a couple more times before offering flood at the university of texas was the first one to pull the trigger on an offer and that rewarded itself today i mean it kind of can't be stated enough how big this is to get chapman in the boat with two other offensive linemen that we'll talk about later also joining him yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I feel like Kyle Flood has really just knocked it out of the park in 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 a absolutely dire necessary way too. Because 
you know, Texas has really struggled with offensive line recruiting. Obviously, the NFL draft shows that, you know, only having two offensive linemen drafted since 2008. And both of those were really the diamond in the rough, three low three stars that didn't have hardly any offers. You know, I mean, this is this is a big deal for um, the future of Texas. And it, it's much needed too, Hudson, when you think of, you know, the type of quarterback room that Steve Sarkeesian is trying to build here. You can have the best quarterback in the world, but if uh, you have no roadblocks in front of him, and in fact, if the people in front of them are more of a roadblock to him than the other team, then you're in trouble. And, you know, that's kind of there where Texas has been um, for several, I mean, probably a decade now, honestly. Um, I mean, even when Colt McCoy was on campus, their offensive line in 2009 was awful. Colt McCoy just hit it because he was so elite and, you know, such a special player. So this is a big addition. What what does he bring to the table, in your opinion? So he has that positional versatility to where he can play as a tackle because of his supreme movement ability and arm length. Or, because, again, because of those factors, he can be a truly impactful guard, interior offensive lineman in the run game. Taylor, I think that he is one of the few guys – in the state of Texas for the 2023 class, including Ian Reed and Harris Sewell, um, who, you know, aren't going to end up at Texas, that could be potentially day one or after a red shirt freshman year, true plus contributors in the run game. Now, Jaden's going to have to work a little bit on his past sets, but when we have evaluated him against good competition, I saw him last year against DeSoto in the playoffs, who that shouldn't uh, – Hardcore recruiting fans should know that DeSoto is always loaded with edge talent. Or at Under Armour Dallas in a camp setting, he's looked great in those environments too. I think that this was the guy, after missing out on Ian Reed and Harris Sewell, that Texas had to make sure they got into in the class. And honestly, Taylor, this is a guy that even though last year's uh, offensive line class was loaded with targets that are going to, you know, probably end up having a little bit of a leg up. This is a guy that I don't think is just a pure high ceiling take. I think he could compete for a spot within the next couple of years at the University of Texas. Yeah, this is a big target. Again, top 24-7 prospect. He is the uh, number nine ranked interior offensive lineman in the 2023 recruiting cycle. When you look at his skill set, obviously we have him listed as an interior offensive lineman. Is that what position on the offensive line do you think he best fits when he moves to the college level? I think for Texas, he'll probably start at right tackle. And if they don't feel like he can hang out on at tackle, they can move him inside. It truly, he truly is a versatile guy though, because it sounds crazy, but he's only six, four, but with the, in the offensive line world, he does have the arm length and the wingspan to kind of negate some of those concerns for a guy that prioritizes big bodies as much as Kyle Flood does. I mean, again, it sounds crazy to even say the only 6'4 thing, but when the other two offensive line commits on the day and Andre Kojo and Connor Stroh are true 6'6 plus, it kind of adds a little bit to that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Let's – uh. Before we move on, anything else you want to tackle? We, we have a number of commits to get through, so we're going to try to go boom, boom, boom. But anything else that you think is relevant for Texas fans to know about J uh, Jaden Chapman? I don't think so. Let's go to the next one. 
All right. So another four-star that Texas landed on Sunday is four-star Decaney wide receiver Jonah Wilson. He, uh, again, was another uh, visitor, I believe, over the weekend. And um, one of the four commitments, one of the five of the weekend, too, we'll get to the one that went down on Saturday, too. But what do you like in Jonah Wilson? So when Brennan Marion took the wide receiver's job at Texas, one thing that he kind of wanted to put his stamp on in the program was while Steve Sarkeesian and company kind of just wanted a more fluid wide receiver room devoid of true position labels, Marion said, okay, that makes sense, but I'd want one true X receiver, somebody who can go up and win contested catches, somebody with a big frame that can kind of impose his physicality on a group of defensive backs. And that's exactly what Jonah Wilson is. I mean, the Texas staff there, they offered him a little late, uh, later than most schools. I mean, if you want to put it into perspective, Wilson had an Ohio State offer before he had an in-state offer from Texas, but they were still able to use Brendan Marion's addition to kind of cross the finish line. Texas offered him after a basketball game where apparently he went crazy and was just showing off his supreme athleticism. And that's kind of what you get with Jonah Wilson. He hasn't been able to fully develop as a wide receiver because at spring to Kenny high school, they kind of have to play him at quarterback at times. He's a little bit of a do it all athlete. So if you see his stats and maybe not matching up with what a uh, true four-star receiver should bring, that's a little bit of context there. He did have one of the best games I've seen from a high school receiver, though, his sophomore year in the playoffs against a Bridgeland team with uh, former five-star quarterback Connor Wigman, who ended up at AM, where I believe he ended up with over 200 yards and three touchdowns and kind of, I mean, was the, one of the true only reasons why DeKenny was able to pull an upset over as, you know, state top 10 ranked team. Yeah, I mean, this is a big – when you look at this receiver room, too, that Brennan Marion is trying to build, and obviously Steve Sarkeesian and the offensive staff, I mean, um, you know, you can't have too many weapons, I feel like, especially with the way that Texas is recruiting. Now, I feel like Texas did have a little bit too many skill players under Tom Herman's staff and not enough big guys, but you can tell that that is not the direction that this – this coaching staff is going, you know, they prioritize the big guys on both sides of the ball. But, you know, when you are recruiting this elite level of, rec of uh, quarterbacks, you need to make sure that they have guys to go to. And, you know, Jonah Wilson, I think is one of them. Um, you know, when you uh, look at what Brennan Marion has been doing since he's arrived, I mean, he got, was, I mean, he was hired after Tashard choice, right? I, I'm trying to remember the time it was one or the, I, I mean, it was, close enough it doesn't probably really matter honestly I believe, I believe he was after choice yeah yeah that's what I was kind of thinking so you know one of the late the last additions to Steve Sarkeesian staff how would you rate what Brennan Marion has been able to do in such a short period of time at Texas I mean it's amazing it's exactly what Texas needed uh you know and the wide receiver spot I think that one of the things I've been the most impressed of with Steve Sarkeesian is after identifying a weakness within the program or the coaching staff or whatever it may be, he doesn't hesitate to immediately fix it with the traits that the, you know, the traits that were needed. And what Texas really needed to add in the coaching staff was young, relatable, hungry volume recruiters. And that's what they exactly, that's exactly what they did with Brennan Marion and Tashard Choice. I mean, Marion grabbed Ryan Niblett, who's a top 55 player in the country got his friend in Jonah Wilson and 
honestly, Taylor, I don't think he's done. I could definitely see Texas adding another receiver in the next you know, week or so, if not sooner. If not by the time we finish recording this, maybe potentially. <laughs> Just kidding, kind of. But no, I mean, for sure, I think this is a this is a really big deal of what Brendan Marion has been able to do. Um, before we get to the other commitments, don't worry, we're not done. We have plenty more to talk about. We're going to take a really quick break, but stick around because we will continue the uh, Arch Madness on steroids reaction to what has led to a very successful recruiting weekend for Texas this week. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hudson, we've got two down. We've got more to go. So um, this one came down actually on Saturday with Texas landing four-star Hawaii linebacker Leona Lefau, I think. I hope I'm not butchering that name. Yeah, um, he's the you know number twenty nine overall prospect in the or linebacker prospect, excuse me, in the twenty twenty three recruiting class, number one prospect in Hawaii. Um, if you were reading Horns twenty four seven over the weekend, you will see plenty of content about what this addition means, not just for the linebacker position, but also the fact that Texas has really been able to kind of sneak their way into Hawaii. You know, a a, um, a place that's very much a West Coast school type of uh, recruiting ground for the most part. How, what would be your assessment of, um, you know, the Longhorns being able to get a Hawaii prospect like Leanna LaFau? It's, it's major and it's a credit to Jeff Choate. And also Taylor, like if you have been reading Horns 24 seven, while we weren't, uh, while we weren't super overt in saying it, we had been steadily saying that Texas had a really good shot to land Leona Lethal for a while. It was one of those ones where we kind of had a little bit of an exclusive on it, got quotes, and in, after talking with him and kind of the circle, decided not to put in picks in to tip off anybody else, whether it be other schools or other sites. And, you know, we had three articles ready to go and had kind of been saying it for a while, but this is just an absolutely massive development. I mean, this is a top 200 guy according to 247's own rankings. And it's somebody that can immediately be a difference maker at that mic spot. He is a little bit undersized right now, but when you're looking at the instincts, 
the ability to cover in the passing game and just his nose for the ball and form tackling. Like he is the exact type of linebacker that Texas really needed to land that complements North Crowley, Samaje Burrell and a potential two uh, true elite type guys and Anthony Hill and Darian Gallette that they're still pursuing. Just an absolute home run job by Jeff Choate, Jake Lange, Pete Kwiatkowski, and the rest of that staff. Like the Arch Madness dominoes aren't only on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, the the reality is good players want to play with good players, whether they're on the same side of the ball, same position, uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, they, you know, that is why I think the Arch Manning commitment is so crucial in so many ways, especially if, you know, you want to play with, the best player in your recruiting class. Oh, and he just so happens to be one of the only players that touches the ball on every single, you know, offensive possession. I mean, you want, you want to play for those type of guys. That's how that was. You go back to, you know, 2002 recruiting class with Vince Young and stuff. People wanted to play with Vince. It wasn't just guys on offense that committed after he did. I mean, the dominoes that fall really can be program changing when you get these type of guys, these type of legacy guys. Um, like the Arch Manning, um, you mentioned Jake Lange, you know, he, and, and, you know, overall, I'll just say, you know, Jake Lange has um, some Polynesian ties. And then if you look at Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Choate, they have, you know, an extended history in recruiting the West, you know, on the West coast when they coach for different West coast type of teams. Is that how, how big were those relationships, both like Choate and Kwiatkowski prior to coming to Texas with them just kind of being familiar with that type of recruiting ground? And then how big was it for, um, you know, support staffer Jake Lange to kind of play a role in this one? Yeah, it was definitely big. I mean, with Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Choate, the familiarity with kind of knowing how to pitch those guys, I think definitely matters. And with Jake Lange, I mean, the thing is with Jake, like, Jake has just been on, big on so many recruitments, whether it's like Alfred Collins or, you know, Junior Angelau. Like Jake is just one of the support staffers that we constantly hear a lot of praise for. So that's big. But, you know, when talking with Leona, the main, the I mean, kind of the main thing is just that, hey, Jeff Choate's the guy I have the best relationship with. Texas crushed the visit. And um, I feel a lot of security in the fact that he's going to be there being my coach. So Texas did have a very well-rounded pitch and everybody kind of played a part. But I, I don't think without Jeff, I think with if Jeff Choate wasn't on staff, he'd probably end up at Oregon. I got you. Good stuff there. And um, I'm going to just designate myself if there is any you know, time that we need to go to Hawaii to watch him play in person. I know I don't cover recruiting very often, but I'll, I'll take one for the team if you guys don't want to make that trip. So, um, I figured already have the sunburn to, uh, go to Hawaii. I'll, I'll fit <laughs> yeah. in a little bit better. Yeah. You're getting your base cut, your base tan, right. To, exactly. to go over there yeah. and cover Leona <laughs> Leifel. Yeah. Another big, uh, addition. So we'll, Shift focus back to the Sunday guys, since we're going in order of rankings and um, another commitment that Texas landed on Sunday. Technically, I think this what I can't even think straight right this now. I think one. it was the first one, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it went we had, like one. We Jonah Wilson were within minutes of each other. So, yeah. uh, you know, maybe that's not technically correct if you because, you know, with also it's who posts first on Twitter, who posts first on Instagram. But they're around the same time. And I think Stro edged them. 
Yeah, I was gonna say I, I know I tweeted the Stro commitment first, so we'll we'll go with that one. But yeah, so uh, Frisco Wakeland, three-star offensive lineman Connor Stro committed to Texas, kind of getting the the ball rolling for the Longhorns. Um, whether you want to say that or not, on uh, Sunday. But this is another offensive lineman um, Hudson that Kyle Flood was early to offer. And um, how how big did that? How big of a role did that play in being able to land this offensive lineman? Yeah, Taylor. I mean, I think that Connor mentioned it in his article uh, where we got quotes from him as well. Like, you know, I think he straight up said it gave me a lot of confidence in Kyle Flood because this is an offensive line coach who kind of can evaluate and spot talent himself instead of just looking at, okay, how many offers does this guy have? I guess I'll watch the tape now and find out. Like, and this is a theme for all of them. I believe Texas was also first with Andre Kojo. So for all three that committed today, Kyle Flood still was the first one to offer. And it kind of can't say enough. And I think another thing that's worth mentioning is it's one thing to offer first if you are in FCS school or a kind of lower tier G5 school. Like it, it means a lot for sure. But it's another thing when you're at the University of Texas and you can have a little bit of the pick of the litter and you still are the first to really co-sign, I think this player is good enough to play at this school. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times, because you're right, you know, sometimes you'll see offers from some smaller schools, even maybe some like, you know, um, group of five type of programs that are division one, but still just not the power five schools. But a lot of times when a school like Texas or a school of that type of um, magnitude offers, it almost has a chain reaction for the other schools that kind of, you know, jump in the mix here. So it even adds a little bit more competition to the recruiting front, even if they're the first to offer, just because, I mean, when you, if you look at, for instance, I'm looking at Connor Stroh's uh, profile right now, Texas offers him first one to offer. And then it was Florida state offers then Baylor offers then Indiana offers. And it's, it's almost like a domino effect a little bit. And I feel like if you're a Texas fan right now, you have to be jumping for joy that, Kyle Flood is not only landing these guys, but he is taking an initiative to be among the first to offer offensive linemen that he feel are, you know, could really be difference maker for the program because let's be honest, it hasn't been that way for years, right? Yeah, absolutely, Taylor. Um, another thing worth mentioning too with Stroh is this is another prospect that was kind of recruited at a higher level, at a higher level by schools than what his rating would indicate. I mean, we, there's been a little bit of debate uh, and maybe a little bit of revisionist history on whether Texas A&M's offer was committable for him. We've heard that it is from a source or two, and then another source or two has kind of debated it. But even if you don't mention A&M, you're talking about Auburn and a couple other schools that are like big time power five programs. So even though Stro is a three-star prospect, like he still was being heavily recruited by a number of big time power five schools. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that Auburn, AM, Arkansas was another one listed Arkansas. that was heavily going. Yeah, Baylor um playing for Dave Aranda, you know, the defending Big 12 champions. That that actually pulls a lot of weight right now too. Um Hudson, we at Horns or at 24-7 Sports have him listed as a tackle. Is that where you see him projecting at the college level or do you see him being um somewhere else? So I think that Stroh probably will start in a similar spot to um, Jaden Chapman to where he can play either tackle spot. 
but they might even move him to guard just depending on how he kind of looks when he's on campus. The only of the three that I think is a for sure tackle, and I believe he might even be listed as an interior offensive lineman, is Andre Kojo, who is, you know, six foot six and has a 84 and a half inch wingspan, according to Texas. So I think that Stroh has some positional versatility. He might not move well enough to stick at tackle long term. So I think guard probably will end up uh, where he slots in. But then again, Taylor, you know, a lot of people had similar concerns about Hayden Connor out of high school, and that's probably going to be Texas's starting left tackle come the fall. Yeah, yeah, good stuff there. Um, all right, so we'll round it out here with the fourth commitment. Actually, this one's in order, isn't it? Kojo was the last. No, no, Chapman was the last Kojo's one. Never great. mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Chapman was the one right before we were about to start this. It was like, oh, wait, not yet. <laughs> but uh, so Texas did land another offense. Big day for Kyle Flood first. Let's give, you know, uh, credit where credit is due to land, you know, three quality targets, priority targets to um, on the offensive line, a position that has been a uh, – Achilles heel probably is the best way to describe it for Texas over the last decade. But Texas did also add the addition of a three-star offensive lineman, Andre Kojo. Um, he was the third to commit to Texas on Sunday. What do you like when you look at Andre, Andre Kojo? So the big thing, Taylor, and I mentioned this in a tweet, and I think a couple of people who maybe don't pay as close of attention to recruiting but are still in the Texas Twitter sphere – kind of were stunned by this, but the number one thing that impresses me is this is a kid that is going to early enroll. So he'll come in uh, to Texas if he, you know, ends up sticking with his commitment. He'll come to Texas and enroll as a 16 year old like wow. this. Yeah. This, so he is a 16 year old who um, is going to eventually turn 17, I believe during uh, late January. And will complete a full year of strength and conditioning at the college level to reshape his body before he even turns 18. Now, 18 through 19 are the biggest kind of physical development, uh, is the biggest de physical development window for an athlete at, uh, when you're talking about football. So Andre is going to have basically two full years before he even truly reaches his ceiling. And that's going to be with a collegiate nutrition plan and all of the you know, amenities that the University of Texas provides. So that's the first thing that I always want to tell people about Andre Kojo. Yeah, he's not super highly ranked right now, but because that's, he's going uh, up against all these other guys from across the country who are, you know, 17 and 18. And he was playing all of his junior year of football as a 15 year old. Now the physical tools are insane. Like I said, he's six foot six, if not six foot six and a half. Texas has him at an 84 and a half inch wingspan. And he truly does move pretty well for a guy his size, especially just kind of a baby on the football field. He works with a, a trainer in Zach Collins that Mike and I work with a lot, and I've seen those sessions. He's going to continue to improve his technique, and I truly believe that by the time he gets on campus, he'll have a little bit of a higher floor, but the ceiling is what's truly intriguing about that. And Taylor, honestly, with the – prospects that Texas signed last year and Jaden Chapman in the mix, they need one of these longer curve developments because Andre Kojo knows that he needs this time to improve. And by year three, if everybody else is, you know, hopefully for Texas fans in the NFL, 
he can then slot in and not have to worry about playing before he's ready. Yeah, and and especially on the offensive line, that is so huge. I mean, you know, as as we're talking about these young offensive linemen, the ideal situation for Kyle Flood is not to be in this situation where he may have to rely on young bodies. It just goes to show how, you know, um, how many misses, I would say, in recruiting and lack of development at the offensive line that Texas has had for several years, it's led to this. So, you know, I, I, I think it's safe to say that when we're talking about young guys starting on the offensive line, we're not saying they're advocating for it. It's more of this is probably the reality that Texas is in. It's not the best reality that any coach in college football would want to be in to start, you know, rely on true freshman offensive linemen. But that is the case for Texas. So it makes it even more important for them to get, you know, guys they feel that can be, um, you know, early impact type of players. Um Talking about Andre Kojo, when you mentioned his age, it kind of reminded me a little bit about Moro Jomo. You know, he was yeah, really, absolutely. yeah, like when you said that's the first I'd heard of it. And that was my first thing that came to my mind. And Moro Jomo has really kind of come on. It took him a little bit of time. He enrolled, I think, as I think he was 17, his holy first year at Texas. Um, so his sophomore year, he was 18 years old. Um, you know, just kind of, as you mentioned, just a little bit. For, but like physically wise, a little bit underdeveloped just because of their age. Um, it's worked out decently well, I would say, for Mora Jomo. They're kind of in a similar, you know, he was a three-star coming into Texas too. Um, you know, I, I think if you're a Texas fan, you hope that the trajectory kind of plays along those same lines, right? Yeah, and another thing too, Taylor, like we are viewing Mora Jomo through the lens of like, okay, this is what he's shown so far we will probably view Andre Kojo through the lens of we're not even going to have to see him on the field until year three or year four, where again, because of necessity, Morrow has had to kind of factor into that defensive line rotation while he's, well, you know, he can't even legally drink. So right. <laughs> that's just kind of how that one shakes out. And I guess the last thing to mention is with these three offensive linemen committed on the day, it just really does reinforce the half joke, half serious point that Mike and I make all the time. If you were a big body at offensive line, Kyle Flood's going to find you and he's going to recruit you. And there is a little bit of that that kind of runs counterintuitive to a way that a lot of the recruiting services like to evaluate because the longer and leaner guys normally do get the preference. But when you're talking from a true collegiate lens, there is something to be said about just having that physical nature. And, you know, again, it kind of dumbs it down, but it's easier to move people when you're bigger. Like th that's part of football at the end of the day. And I don't know, the strategy seems to be working. I saw an interesting uh, tweet from one of my friends on the timeline who I am unfortunately forgetting which one of you posted it. So again, apologies, but I think it just kind of underscores the different priorities for the two previous regimes and that Steve Sarkeesian had 12 offensive line commits in four years. Kyle Flood and Steve Sarkeesian have 10 and two. Yeah. And that's just right now. By the time we are finished recording, it could be 11. Like yeah. that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. And, and that's, that's needed, you know, um, both Steve Sarkeesian, Kyle Flood, Jeff Banks, a lot of the coaches that are on the staff have coached in the SEC. That is where Texas is going to be moved regardless when it happens, maybe 2024, 2025, whatever it may be, but they know what they need to be competitive in the SEC. And it, it is different, 
you know, when you look at the rosters of the Big 12 compared to SEC rosters, when you look at the big guys, the guys in the trenches, it's almost astounding at how many more big guys SEC teams have than Big 12 rosters. And it's just, it's a necessity and these coaches understand it. And it's got to be a breath of fresh air for Texas fans, I feel, that they are really, you know, honing in on um, making sure they have those big bodies both on both sides of the ball. Yeah, absolutely, Taylor. And I think I mentioned it um, in the spring as well, or not in the spring, but pretty recently, we had heard and then eventually saw with our own our own eyes that uh, Cam Williams, the big offensive tackle from Duncanville, had reshaped his body, was still the big mammoth that he kind of is, but had turned it into productive weight and still is moving as good as anybody else on the team in his position. So Again, this strategy, while it might not yield a ton of true like four-star blue chip guys, like Kyle Flood has had um, Andre Kojo and um, Connor Stroh as two of his biggest priorities in the class since last fall. Like this isn't a, oh, we signed this many kids in 2022, so now in 2023 we need to have some lower ranked guys. No, this is who he prioritized and they nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Before we wrap up here, Hudson, um, I feel like it's safe. I'm, I'm going to give a teaser. I'm not going to tell any detail, but if I were to give the listeners right now and the viewers right now, a glimpse at what our admin article, admin of unpublished commitment stories looks like, I'm just going to tell y'all it's not just the, Oh, we'll just have this as a shot shot in the dark type of commitment story. These are legit ones. And it, it is, um, it's lengthy. I'll say that. So with that said, Hudson, what would, who are some of the, the guys that you would say Texas fans need to keep an eye on who could be the next in line to pull the trigger and commit to Texas? Taylor, I made the joke earlier on the board, and this was before any of the four commitments. So you can truly think, and we had all those stories prepped, including some supplementary on all of them. So you can truly just imagine, but somebody asked me, hey, Hudson, like how many articles do you have ready for guys that are, um, you know, not committed yet? That you are, And I just said, even if you said an over-under, even if you took a guest, it would be more than that, and you wouldn't believe me if I told you. So, I mean, it's still a crazy amount. One name I'd keep an eye on, five-star wide receiver Jonte Cook. Uh, Mike and I both have crystal ball predictions, and Steve Wiltfong does as well. That is a major piece that Texas has had at the top of their board for ages, and they truly um, are kind of in the driver's seat right now. So we'll see where that one goes. You kind of never know in recruiting, but that's one that I'd keep an eye on. Yeah, Jonte Cook, uh, he recently released his top three schools of Oregon, Michigan, and Texas. Took a, a visit over the weekend, so uh, one to watch. Anyone else that you uh, feel confident in naming right now? Um, There are a couple, but I'll definitely uh, be the party pooper and just uh, let everybody's imaginations run wild. We'll, we'll save it for the VIP subscribers over at Horns 24-7, which is why you should be a VIP member of Horns 24-7 right now, especially um, this is only beginning uh, for Texas with the 2023 recruiting cycle. A lot, obviously, it started with um, Arch Manning, and there are plenty of dominoes that will continue to fall. And I, and I feel confident saying will. Not, I'm not even going to say could. Oh, I'm going to say will. <laughs> 
yeah, will continue to fall. So you'll want to make sure to, uh, if you're not a member, go sign up to Horns 24-7, get your annual membership, 30% off your first year. You get access to all of our content, plus all of the VIP content across the 24-7 sports network. So if you really want to go, you know, talk trash to some Sooners or Aggies or, you know, um, just kind of. Uh, enjoy their dismay with Texas rolling and recruiting. That's uh, why you do an annual membership. So uh, Hudson, I think I think we'll wrap it at that. I appreciate you joining me today and and for all the work that you and Mike are putting in. I, I want I, I hope that our listeners understand the amount of time and effort that these guys um, work around the clock to make sure that they are providing our Horns 24-7 members with the best overall uh, recruiting coverage that's in the industry. Honestly, I feel comfortable. I've worked in this industry for too long. I'm not going to admit how long, but these are the best of the best. So uh, keep it locked on Horns 24-7 for all of the latest recruiting and team coverage in what's expected to be a summer to remember for the Longhorns. For Hudson Standish, I am Taylor Estes. Thanks for tuning in.